Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and today we're going to talk about humor. Well, no, we're going to talk about conversion rate optimization. No, copywriting. Actually, they're kind of the same thing. So I know you don't want to hear it, but the number one conversion rate optimization tactic, strategy, hack, whatever you want to call it, is not an app. It is not a certain colored button. It is the words you put on the screen. That's going to be the most persuasive thing. That's going to be what makes or breaks a person's purchase decision when they're on your site. And in this episode, you're going to hear how you could better use humor in your marketing copy, especially email, to improve conversions. So joining me to talk about it is Liana Patch, a conversion copywriter and comedian whose greatest dream is to make your customers pause, smile, and click in that order. She's written copy for several of my clients, FreshBooks, Manly Bands. I worked with them. Their site's pretty cool. LifeStraw, The Contract Shop. They just won an award from Bold for, like, best website of 2019 or something to that effect. And other delightful clients, of course. Liana regularly speaks at e-commerce and software conferences around the world. Not sick of hearing about her yet? Great. Stick around. We will learn how to conquer campaigns with Liana from Punchline Conversion Copywriting. Okay, Liana, uh, that, was a, that was a halfway decent intro, but oh, in your own thanks. words, who are you and why should I care? Uh, I am a goofball and you shouldn't. And podcast. <laughs> All right. Good work. Pack it up. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Um, I am just a person who cannot handle being uh, like fake or uh, stilted or corporate and so I decided to see if I could codify um, being a jokey, uh, hopefully fun person to be around into the conversion copy work that I was already doing. Okay, how did you get started with that? Um, with the comedy stuff or with the uh, conversion copywriting? Which came first? <laughs> uh, the chicken. Um, I think the comedy actually came first. So I basically just went to an open mic in my neighborhood, uh, and I was watching people go up, and as you do if you're kind of... Um, competitive and horrible you were like wow this sucks i could do better um which is what i said uh and so i just started going up and at first i thought you had to write a whole new open mic set for every week and i was like wow this is really hard i don't know how people make time for this and then another comic clued me in that you actually just uh practice jokes and write a few at a time and hone those and so things got easier uh and then i started doing improv and i was really loving that um but i wasn't loving my work and I joined uh, a mastermind and got the advice to like got basically got permission to combine them. And I was like, I wish I could just do comedy copywriting. Uh, and Joanna Weeb was like, Well, why not? And I was like, Oh my god! Oh, and Joanna Weeb was in your mastermind. She led the mastermind. Yeah, it was in her first uh, copywriter mastermind. Oh, that's sweet. Yes, she is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've I've been live um, spoken to her uh, several times at conferences. And I uh, heard her speak and was always very impressed. Yeah. She's like the OG. And you mentioned masterminds. For people who don't know, what is a mastermind and why should they consider joining one? Because I've been Ooh. in several. They've been yeah. instrumental. Yeah. So a mastermind, uh, the way I've best heard it described, is a group of people either in a similar business or at a similar stage of business growth. Uh, usually it's small, like 10 to 15 people, and you talk regularly and you share problems and you help each other um, figure out how to get to the next level. It's unlicensed business therapy in a group format. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And a lot of business... A lot of business coaching really is business therapy. And you even touched on it with you said, well, hey, they gave me permission. A lot of it's just is permission setting. Is, 
Where oh, for sure. You already knew what the right thing to do was, but you needed someone else to go, hey, you could go ahead and do that. Um, and we even see this at like, I've got this uh, Facebook group for Shopify merchants. And a lot of the posts, it's very clear, like the person knows the right answer. But they need that sanity check. They just need mm-hmm. their peers to go, yeah, do that. And they're yep. like, oh, wow, thanks. You're brilliant. I didn't come up with it. You did. I just told you it was okay to do it. Yeah. Expensive so, validation. Yes. Well, my Facebook group is free. So that. Oh, word. <laughs> so good, good ROI on that. Yeah. Um, so your focus is from a, the beginning, from early days, was to add humor into copywriting. Why humor? Why did you see the, the importance there? And it's clearly like you felt it was so important. You needed to go get permission from someone else to do it because it felt yeah. that weighty in your mind. Yeah, um, I just was really enjoying performing comedy and really ex- loving exploring, uh, you know, like how how jokes work behind the scenes and how improv, uh, you know, frameworks uh, help you learn to see the world in just a more fun way. Uh, and then I would sit down, you know, to freelance every morning and was like, what am I doing? I hate all the work that I'm doing. I haven't found a niche. I, you know, I haven't figured out who my perfect client is. Uh, and so I was kind of struggling. And I just thought that, you know, it wouldn't be possible to combine these things, but uh, it is because <laughs> there's so much that good comedy and good copywriting have in common already. Such as? Uh, such as like the rule of three, for instance, is the first thing that comes to mind. So for some reason, humans just love things in threes. They just feel satisfying and complete, um, which is why you'll have a, a series in copy that uh, is three things. Um, so th- the way to make that funny is uh, just make the last thing different or unusual. Um, and and it's a nice surprise. It's kind of a a reversal of expectation. It comes, um, there's some humor theory that comes into it, like incongruity resolution theory, uh, where you, your brain is expecting something and you give uh, the brain something else. Um, but for instance, you might say like, I'll, I'll take you out for tacos, beer, uh, and the best night of your life that you won't remember or something like not tacos or beer. Like this is a terrible example. But you know I what I'm that, saying? I thought that was a false premise joke. I know very little about comedy, but there's there's a term I, I knew so I could throw yeah. it out. Sounds smart. That I actually haven't heard that term, but I think a lot of these things have different names based on people like me who are like, I don't know, let's just call it something new and say, you know, call, call it what I feel like calling it. I dig it. The All right. So <laughs> when we say you're talking about uh, hey, we should use we should use humor in our copywriting, and I love your website, punchlinecopy.com. There's the plug. Uh, Thanks. And the headline says, laugh all the way to the bank. Knock, knock. Who's there? A shitload of money. <laughs> so, so what is it about unfunny copywriting? You you had specifically mentioned that stilted prose, and I'm well yeah. familiar with this. When we first start writing for our own business or for ourselves, we th- start to treat it like homework. You start to write like you did for a high school paper. And exactly. so you... But with the probably the addition of a lot of exclamation points, like you're selling tickets to the circus. And so it, it makes this very unnatural, inauthentic, stilted prose that's not going to inspire anyone to spend money with you on your website. Yeah. That yeah. has been you know, my my feeling about it. How do you feel? Why why do you hate the stilted prose? Um, chiefly because it's so boring and it's, it's happening because we see other people's websites and we think like, Oh, that looks good. That sounds professional. Maybe that's how it should be. And I think there's just been this like 
you know, long domino train of people uh, writing, quote unquote, professionally, because they think it's what they need to do. And they haven't ever taken a, a second to think about how they actually act in person or how they act on sales calls, you know, it's such a cliche, but people buy from people, right? You buy because you build genuine rapport with someone. And humor is a shortcut to uh, building that honest relationship, um, you know, making people feel more comfortable. It's actually been shown to reduce uh, tension and anxiety. If you've ever like been in a, a group situation where nobody wants to break the ice and then somebody makes a joke and everybody laughs and there's that like palpable release of tension. Um, so like, why wouldn't we put that to work strategically for us in our copy and in our marketing efforts as a whole. Like why not use what's already at our disposal as human beings? Could you think of any examples of a, like this sounds stilted, this sounds natural and possibly humor. I like the idea that, Hey, humor is the shortcut that makes this sound authentic and natural. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I can pull something up. I have a quote unquote bad swipe file in my email for cases just like this. Uh, and I just got an email from, I think it was my eye doctor. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to call him out by name, poor guy, because I'm sure he didn't write this himself, but, uh, okay. So the, the email subject line is Liana, it is time for your appointment at, and then they have the doctor's name. It sounds a little ominous. (laughs) It's, it's amazing. It's like, what are you, are you going to remove my eyes when I come in? Uh, well, how else will they work on them? I don't understand it's just more efficient, Kurt. It's just what they do. Like, just don't worry. We'll, we'll bring them back. Uh, they say, it's time to see you again. Like, oh, that's an example of how not to use humor because it's like, is this a joke? Uh, that's not how your jokes would make people feel. I like when they just don't use contractions like their commander data. That's, that's yeah. my favorite. Well, that's and that's OK. So if you want to get into like how you can go through your existing copy and just punch it up, um, there are so many easy edits that you can make like that. Contractions are one of them, right? Just go through everywhere you've written. Uh, we are, or you are, or there is, and make a contraction. You know, that's how humans talk. You can go a step further, uh, and, and replace things like going to with gonna, um, should have with should have things like that, depending on how casual you want to get. And it's because that's, how people talk naturally. Yeah, they, yeah. You would think someone is weird if they spoke the way a lot of business websites do. Exactly. Uh, I'll give you my my pet peeve is you land on the website and the headline or somewhere on the homepage above the fold, it says, hello and welcome to our website. Like, oh what are you, is this movie phone? What are you doing? <laughs> the other yeah, one what a being <laughs> a lot of exclamation points. I was joking, like, you sell tickets to the circus. But I use that joke because then clients remember it. They don't like, they're like, Oh, am I using too many exclamation points here? Like that is the advantage to using that humor and that joke is like, okay, now they get it. I personally love exclamation points, but I I use them mostly in my emails to clients and prospects because I'm a naturally like effervescent, excited person when you give me caffeine. Um, and, and yet, yeah, <laughs> your homepage, I just did control F. Your homepage yeah. has a single exclamation point. Yes, because it in follows, copy, it's more important to... It follows money as in a shitload of money. yeah. <laughs> it's it's important to be sparing. Good. Okay. Um, so how do people go from writing stilted to doing the, the high school academic version of copywriting to the proper natural sounding copywriting? Are there is there are there shortcuts? Is there an easy way to work around this? Do I have to go to copywriting school? How do <laughs> I get better? 
you do not have to go to copywriting school. Um, one of the first things that I tell people to look for, not even humor related, but just good copy related, is to to read through your copy and see where you're using uh, we instead of you, because that means you're making it about yourself and not about your reader, and that's one of the easiest uh, switches to make. Um, so instead of we believe in transparency and uh, high quality products, you say like it's important to you that you know what we're uh, that you know what your service provider is doing or whatever. I don't know. I have no example company in mind, so all my uh, all my examples are vague. Um, but that's that's one thing that's so easy to do is just go through and flip. Uh, uh, first person to second person. So stop talking about you and talk about your readers. Um, and another thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, doing research. If you start writing copy, just thinking, you know what people want to hear, then you're just not going to write the best way. Um, so if you have done any qualitative research and you probably have, because if you're an e-commerce store, it's in all of your reviews, it's in your competitor reviews, it's uh, on your Facebook pages and other social media groups, the way people talk about you clues you into, you know, the kinds of objections they have that you might need to address in the copy. Uh, and sometimes it even gives you these little nuggets that you can lift uh, and put directly into your copy itself. So you have to do less writing, which is a win all around. I love all three of these. So the first you talked about a thing that we lovingly refer to as IREA. You land on a site <laughs> oh, and it's just I, 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 I. Here's the thing. If I'm on your website, I'm just sitting home alone on my couch looking at your website. I am fully a narcissist at that point. I don't care about you. I browse like it. I am a guest on your website. You're trying to convince me to give you money. You need to frame everything as to how it relates to me. So you're right. That is yeah. like the number one easy conversion rate copywriting hack that we do is, okay, let's make this entirely you focused as in you, the customer. Mm -hmm. So we would go from I to you and we cure our, our bad case of IREA. Yes. You then, um, you mentioned uh, research and voice of customer. The I think initially, like if you don't have, you're just starting out, you don't have access to customer voice, and like you could get it by going through figuring out what your customers' watering holes are. Like, oh, maybe there's a subreddit they all hang out on. Yeah. You know, you can look at reviews for similar things. You could start to figure it out. But like, if you just want to hear, try and figure out the brand voice on your own, the way I I broke the habit of like the academic business pros was I used um the the speech to text dictation on my phone mm -hmm. and just dictated yeah. to it and like suddenly it yeah you're going to need to copy edit that but suddenly it sounded a lot more natural and so if you don't have if you're intimidated by research and you're still struggling with just not writing um stilted i think that's that's a good hack so talk to me about research and voice of customer yeah um I, I love that, by the way. I, I do that all the time, too, because that, that reading into your uh, voice dictation app and then having it transcribed, you'll notice that you end up with sentence fragments, and that's another way to get away from that, like, academic uh, style of writing where every sentence has to have, like, um, a subject and a predicate and a direct object because we don't actually talk that way, and we can start sentences with prepositions, and we can be incomplete. So I think that's a really awesome shortcut. Um, so as for the research... Uh, something that helps you, one question that helps you get inside your customer's head is uh, what was going on in your life uh, that brought you here today? And that, that comes directly from uh, Joanna, the OG, uh, because it's a shortcut right to their stage of awareness. Uh, 
by which I mean, and this is like me digging deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole, um, but you want to know what brought somebody to you and what pains they were experiencing that caused them to like look for something like you, and now you've got them, right? Um, and you have to match that understanding of their pain. Uh, so what was going on in your life that brought you here today is a great way for them to be like, well, you know, I was trying to change the bag in my litter robot uh, litter box and I wanted to be more sustainable. So I Googled this and, you know, I was looking for litter, litter liners or whatever. Um, and this is like an example I just pulled from my real life because this is something I just did. Uh, so is, and then you, There's the yeah, litter robot and have, our customers want to be more sustainable. Yes. Exactly. Okay. And so we're like, okay, you, we know that that's where we need to meet them. So when you're writing that product description page, maybe you say like, hey, we're just like, you no, we don't say, hey, we're just like you, but um, hey, you're looking to be more sustainable in your household goods. Uh, you've changed, you know, your soap to a reusable refillable bottle. You've changed your shampoo to like cruelty free. You're very conscious of how much waste you put out. Now it's time to find more sustainable bags for this giant space robot that cleans your cat's poop. And they're like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. Amazing. Bye. So when doing uh, the voice of customer research, what are, what's the process? What are the tools you use? Is it a one-on-one -on -one phone interview? Is it uh, a, an email survey? How do you go about getting this information? Okay. So for, for e-commerce, there's so much of it already. Uh, it's in the reviews. It's often uh, in the reviews in support chat transcripts and emails that you might get uh, from customers where they write to you and they say like, hey, I loved this aspect of the product or like I'm having trouble with this thing. So usually there's this huge uh, database of open-ended qualitative feedback already to pull from. And if you go through that and you're not finding like the same messages repeating or any copy that you can swipe, um, you can also send out like a quick email survey if you have an email list or if you sell a higher end product, sometimes it's better to get people on the phone and do like a quick 20 minute interview. Uh, and I, I find people tend to open up a lot, like give them five minutes, make a few jokes um, and then start asking them about like, hey, what were you thinking? You know, maybe what did you search to get here? Um, who were you comparing us with and why did you choose us? And if you give them an opportunity either in text or on the phone uh, to explain their decision making process and their emotions around that process in their own words, you invariably end up with really useful stuff to, to frame your copy and even populate it with uh, with words. Populate it with words. That's what I call writing. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I don't know that I've done the the one on one phone interview. Truthfully, um, I have done. I've paid people to do it for me, mm -hmm. and I've done. Um, I do the the email survey a lot, and we never incentivize it because you're right. You just end up yeah. with a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Like I need if I get eighty legit responses that's more than enough info than if i got like 500 garbage responses mm -hmm. um so i like those a lot and i'll tell you my favorite question to ask is cool. to what kind of person would you recommend this and it's this, this being like the, the the product service brand whatever it yeah. is and they'll say what they end up doing is unknowingly describing how they see themselves yes because if you go well hey, like, t tell us about yourself. And I'd be like, well, I'm a dad. I got three kids. That's very different than if you had said, well, what kind of person? It gives you, like, you seeing yourself as an avatar unknowingly. Yeah. It's kind of a clever way. If you reframe some of the, the same questions to third person, you get interesting mm -hmm. results. I ask that same question uh, in a different way. Like, who do you see using this product or who would this product be best for? 
and so even if it's not them, like if we're doing some sort of uh, messaging research and there's a total misfit, like occasionally clients will be like, my client or my customer is a soccer mom and the customer is actually like, you know, a 45-year-old spinster. Just kidding, spinsters out there. I'll be alone too someday. Um <laughs> <laughs> that helps that helps them get a that helps the people who it's not right for tell you who they think it's right for so it can identify some uh some like mismanagement of your own messaging because if you think you're targeting soccer moms but everybody sees you as targeting spinsters i really wish i hadn't chosen that as an example uh <laughs> then you have some adjustment to do and when we say like there's a category of research called um within this industry called voice of customer research mm-hmm. That encompasses things where, like, we could potentially lift key phrases and see, mm-hmm. like, this is how the customer is talking about the product yeah. in public. So that's probably also how they're searching for it and how they're thinking about it, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, what I was going to say is Go that – so when I'm, when I'm analyzing these chunks of raw feedback uh, – there are two things that come through. There's that repetition of the messaging, like you said, 80 to like 100 and if if possible, 150 responses with open-ended text. Uh, you'll start to see the same messages repeating over and over. And that kind of helps you uh, structure a page or structure an email, knowing what points you have to hit uh, in order of importance, in order of how much they show up. Uh, and the other thing you get from going through this raw uh, feedback, this raw text is those phrases like, uh, the way that you never would have thought to describe something, but customers do. Uh, and this has been really useful for me, especially in the uh, bed in a box space, because I think I've worked with like four of those companies now. I'm like, spoiler alert, they're all just mattresses. Um, I'm not supposed to say that. But the way that people describe them, honestly, is very different. And so I, I had this one client, uh, we were doing this research, and somebody said, um, uh, I want to die and be buried on this mattress. And I was like, cool, that is a landing page headline. <laughs> like, I'm just pulling that right out and putting it on the page. Well, and that's like one of the great things about doing the voice of customer research is sometimes they wrote the stuff for you. Yeah. Like, we'll, when I do, um, we'll do the customer surveys to just inform a UX audit. So we're doing it for conversion rate optimization. Mm-hmm. But we need to understand the customer first. Often I will pull out key phrases and be like, hey, based on what we've gathered here, Combining those, here's like a positioning statement that may inform your marketing and become the cornerstone of that messaging. Or here are some key phrases that you could use as um, headlines you should test in marketing copy, uh, like your Facebook ads. So that's always helpful. Hold up. As an e-commerce entrepreneur, you shouldn't expect to be the best at everything. And you probably don't have time to learn to be the best at everything. So when your email isn't performing like you think it should and you don't have time to manage it yourself, who are you going to call? Well, when this happens to my clients, I call Sully at Ecom Growers. They've helped two of our clients double their email revenue in 30 days. Ecom Growers works because it was co-founded by a successful Shopify store owner-operator, Tyler Sully Sullivan. You may remember Sully from previous episodes of this show, his posts in many Shopify Facebook groups, or his own seven-figure store, Bomb Tech Golf. So if you want to see how much more revenue you could be driving with email, go to ecomgrowers.com to apply for your free email blueprint. That's ecomgrowers.com. Talk to them. People's fear of humor is that they might offend someone. Yes. What do you say to a client who is scared of being funny? 
Um, I say two things. First, that there's a range of humor. You don't have to go like balls to the wall right away. Uh, you can start very slowly and um, gently and innocuously. There's some universal uh, humor tropes that no matter what culture you're from, no matter what industry you're in, we all find funny, for instance, like cute animal videos. Um, you said there's like some universal things. Yeah. What are some of those? The the universal things, the, the way that I like to advise people to joke about themselves uh, are, or to joke are either observational humor. So like making fun of something that exists in the world that you and your reader can both see and appreciate or making fun of yourself as a brand or as a person, uh, because no one can get mad at you for either of those. So you neatly sidestep the risk of offending someone because you're not making fun of them. You're making fun of something else or yourself. And that doesn't give them any ground to stand on. Yeah. Well, I think certainly self-deprecating mm -hmm. is the automatic win. I remember like I, I wrote a newsletter to my own list and I was just making reference to my house, and I said, yeah, it's, it, it's 1993's finest McMansion, so it's mostly <laughs> brass and glass. And I did not realize like, how many people would relate to that mm -hmm. because they had you know, grown up in a house that was built in the early 90s, or they owned yeah. one. Um, and that's like one of the highest reply rates I ever got to an email was me nice. making fun of my stupid house. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I get a ton of replies to my emails too, where I basically only make fun of myself. Um, and people are like, I feel like I know you already. Like, I, I routinely get emails that are um, like, I know we've never met, but I feel like we're friends already. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was trying to do is make you comfortable and make you feel like you know me. I, I, I got goosebumps when you said, when people tell me they feel like they know me. And mm -hmm. that's what it like the the nice parts of a, a medium like a podcast or a personal newsletter is if you make it, if you have a strong personal brand, it, it shortcuts that relationship. It makes it this one to many thing where yeah. people are, they don't just feel like they know you. They're comfortable with you. Like I get emails from strangers. They're very casual. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I just assume I know that person. It's because they feel comfortable. They feel yeah. like they know me. So that, yeah. that's part of the advantage of, of being authentic, of being yourself. That's where you're trying to take people instead of like the welcome to our website at Acrecorp. Right. We believe. Yeah. And then when you do ask them for something or you do say like, I have this cool product or I have this new service that I'm doing, they're much more inclined to like give it a chance. And because they've, they've built this camaraderie with you, they're much more likely to say, yeah, take my money. I like you. That's how they escape writing funny copy without fear of offending people is stick to either like these commonalities, these safe spaces, and make fun of yourself, your brand, but you don't make fun of the customer directly. No, okay. not usually. That would be like on the far end of the humor scale, like things like uh, Cards Against Humanity and Pit Viper are doing, where they're just like incredibly abrasive, you know, lots of all caps, uh, lots of like, buy this, you sucker, or like uh, just ridiculous balls to the wall kind of um, personality. But most brands using humor are not going that far. Yeah. Cards Against Humanity is, they're in a league of their own. The stuff they do, everybody loves it. Love they it. managed to go viral like every Black Friday. Yep. Uh, I still got a can of Prongles in my house. <laughs> Amazing. Once you pop, that's great. I mean, that's just <laughs> so brilliant and funny. It's part like Cards Against Humanity's Black Friday marketing. They made yeah. a crappy off-brand Pringles and sold it. That's nuts. Um, I like Chubby's a lot. I've mm -hmm. often used that as an example. You should sign up for both of their newsletters to see what we're talking about. Yeah. Are there any others that you look to that you're like, these guys get it. They nailed it. 
Um, someone actually just told me about Shinesty. Okay. Have you heard of them? Yes. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's an apparel store, uh, and they have that similarly, uh, you know, goofy, um, disarming kind of approach where you go to their, uh, their website and they say like, join our email list. Uh, it's amazing. It's not like all that other crap. Uh, and then I think the call to action button was something like save me from my inbox. <laughs> We're talking about examples of brands that benefit from humor that do well with it. Are there red flags? Are there situations where, you know, like, look, humor's not for this brand where like a client approaches you and says, yeah, we want to do it. Obviously you don't blindly go into it. Who's humor not right for? It's very rare uh, that I come across a brand that humor isn't right for. It's really just about that, like permission, like we talked about and being ready to try something new versus just stick to the old stuff. Um, that said, you know, maybe if you're in the funeral industry uh, or the medical industry, humor's not right. Um, there's definitely some like legal stuff that comes into play when you're, you know, selling supplements uh, and you make a, a hyperbolic claim. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I personally tend not to work with um, medical clients or anything that, you know, would put me in that legal gray area anyway, regardless of whether I was using humor or not. Um, but usually it just comes down to whether people are willing to try it. Okay. And I can encourage them to start slowly. So if I'm selling LASIK or breast implants, I pr probably don't want to start trying to make jokes about it. But outside of that, most brands, it's going to be fair game. Yeah. And honestly, if anybody does LASIK or sells breast implants and wants to try humor, I'm game because <laughs> those are so ripe with amazing joke opportunities. Um, one way that I have been teaching brands to get around um, any potential like snafus in terms of making claims with humor um, is by using humor not to describe your product attributes, uh, but rather to describe the pain that people are facing. So uh, for instance, you wouldn't say, you know, our energy drink will turn you into a 6'4 uh, astronaut who bangs Heidi Klum on the weekends. Uh, but you might say like, hey, are you tired of waking up feeling like you got run over by a dump truck? Like, here's uh -huh. our energy drink. Okay. So we're using it to describe the problem that they're approaching with and not the actual benefits of the product. The, and how, would, how would a brand know that they're succeeding with humor? Like, let's say they've adopted it, they're using it for six months. How do they know it's successful, that it's not something else, that like the humor is what's driving sales? Well, obviously, you know, if you're running an experiment, only change one variable at a time. Um, but if you're seeing more sales and you're seeing more anecdotal engagement, especially replies to emails and maybe shares, if you're using humor and Facebook ads, organic shares, um, then you know, you'll get a sense like, oh, not only are we making more money, people seem happier. Hmm. So it's about, it's looking for, for tone and attitude. Like if my customers are approaching me and they're, they suddenly seem more jovial. Is it, it's because they're taking a cue from the, the humor in our, our email copywriting. Probably. And they'll, they'll write in and tell you exactly what they like. And you, ha you kind of have to adjust for, you know, people who aren't happy because obviously there's both ends of the spectrum and there are people who are going to be very vocally excited that you're joking around with them. And then there's going to be people who write in and say like, uh, please make your marketing more professional or like this was offensive in my inbox and, um, you have to kind of control for the loud mouths on either end because they don't represent the majority. They sound fun. 
Yeah, they, you, they sound really You fun want those people at your dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things you specialize in is, um, is email marketing and email automations. What are some of the, the common missed opportunities in email marketing automation? Oh, man. Uh, well, my favorite place to write uh, is actually transactional emails because I feel like we spend so much time and energy getting people to that sale, you know, making them feel welcome, branding heavily. And then once we get their money, uh, we send like the Shopify default transactional emails. Like no one takes the time to go in and rewrite those so that they're pleasant and that they reinforce the good decision that people have just made. So like order confirmations, shipping confirmations, uh, delivery and tracking updates are some of my favorite things to write because precisely because nobody expects them to be awesome. It's just another opportunity for people to show like, Hey, we paid attention to this and we actually care about you. Uh, and it has the effect of helping boost, um, lifetime retention and diminish time between orders because it's building that relationship, right? People want to come back and buy again. I'll give you a great example. Um, I like to buy seasoning. I like very seasoned food. It's got to be in your face extreme. And when you get into some of those those seasonings, those specialty foods, for whatever reason, that industry is well, um, well, well seasoned. Yeah, well seasoned. They're very into their their humor um, and their brand voice. It's interesting. I don't know how that occurred, but it did. And one of these brands is uh, Casey Bard from Tact Calories. That's like my go-to. Love Tact Calories. Mm-hmm. And the last time my order shipped, he had changed a single word in this email, and it made all the difference. Ooh. The first thing in the subject line, the first word, it just said, in all caps, INCOMING, triple exclamation point, and then your order has shipped. And then it would I like, love it. Other than that, I think it was just, like, it was branded, had logos and colors, but the only copy change was INCOMING! Yeah. And it was on brand, and it was fun, and it was funny, and I remembered it. So literally a single keyword was all it took to personalize and make that email memorable. So like you don't have yeah. to write a giant monologue in your shipment confirmation. It could be one word changes that make the difference. Yeah. And it's, it sounds like that one word matched, you know, your state of excitement about this thing coming to you. So if you just put yourself in your reader's shoes or your customer's shoes and try to match their emotional state of mind at various stages of the transaction, like you cannot go wrong. Absolutely. So what do I do if I'm not funny? Oh, weep. Start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's the devil's tool, the podcast. So sorry. Um, There are ways to fake it. Uh, We talked about a few of them, like fragmenting sentences, um, using contractions, uh, using emojis and GIFs uh, is another way to both add like visual space into your copy. Because I find that we, when we're sticking to that academic writing, we tend to chunk up our paragraphs and it's very hard for the eye uh, to skim, especially on mobile. Um, so you can, you know, add some visual white space with, uh, with gifts. And that's, that's a, that's like a shortcut to humor that you don't actually have to be funny to use, uh, as long as you pick the right gif. Um, and there are some great ones out there and don't use anyone that, uh, shows somebody getting hurt, you know, obviously, uh, don't make a reference that's too arcane. Don't use a, a gift that's too long. I have a few like rules of thumb for using gifts, but, um, you can also uh, play on common associations with an industry uh, and expectations and flip them uh, on their head. Uh, so I was just talking with um, another great uh, humor copywriter. His name's John Buchan, uh, and he sent uh, an email on behalf of an accountant uh, that was like, 
hey there, I'm not very good at words. I prefer graphs. So here's a graph for you. And it was like a pie chart. Uh, and it was like when people uh, make an appointment with their accountant and the whole thing was labeled uh, when held at gunpoint. <laughs> uh, so like the association, right, is that we hate seeing our accountant. So like what uh, what associations or, or stereotypes might people have about your industry or store and how can you refute those in a playful way? Like that's a great jumping off point. I like that a lot. And again, you, you talked about like, hey, make it self-deprecating. The mm-hmm. accountant is telling you no one wants to see him. Yes. Like if trying to convince someone that that's a good idea to send as a marketing email might be difficult. But yeah. like on when you're on the receiving end of it, you know, like, wow, that's brilliant. I relate to that. And it, yeah. it's very engaging and disarming. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was successful. Uh, I think it was for him. Yeah. And for for that client. For me, it's just like, even if you're not like, ha ha funny, there are absolutely, absolutely more ways to incorporate delight into your customer touch points. And that's really like the foundation of this. Uh, that's my goal with with everything I'm writing is how do we delight the person reading this because delight is one of those positive emotions that translates into higher sales. And how how do you how do you know when a you have reached the right level of delight? <laughs> I, um, it's subjective. That's a tough it is, question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, often a client will say, um, "I think this is it." Like I'm, I'm excited about testing this, uh, and then you know it remains to be seen whether their customers also feel the same way. But because we've started with that research process, there's a pretty good chance that things will resonate with the customers too, the end customers. Um, you know, on a larger scale, if you have a, a ratio in mind of like angry emails to positive feedback that you want to <laughs> achieve, <laughs> oh no, uh, yeah, no, I mean you're always going to have somebody complaining whether or not you try humor. So it's, it's something that I've just learned to disregard and it happens very little, honestly, or at least clients don't write back and report like, Hey, this, this didn't go over well because we, we aim not to offend. We aim not to say anything that could potentially be taken the wrong way or poke at a sensitive issue, like write very inclusively as a rule. Uh, and then when we do make fun, like don't direct it at the reader. So it's, it's pretty safe. I think, you're, I am. I have always enjoyed and had good response to using humor in my emails, but there'll mm-hmm. always be that crank. My favorite, yeah. my favorite all-time just terrible email I get, got from someone was there. I don't even know what I sent out, but they replied to it, and I had opened the email with "Hey, uh, I don't, I don't want to use hi, hey, hello. Just, yeah, just try to do something different. So sometimes I use howdy. Sometimes I say hey, which yeah. I say howdy in real life. Um, the they replied, Kurt. I unsubscribed as soon as I saw Heya. So literally the first line. Because anyone who says Heya has a room temperature IQ. And then my favorite part was below that. It just like said, sent from my Boost mobile phone. I'm like, look, I'm not the one who's got the default email signature from my carrier in here, guy. Uh, but oh, it's just, I mean, it was just such a ridiculous thing to say yeah. to someone that it, I thought it was funny and it stuck with me. But like room if temperature IQ. Also. Yeah, that's a good line. I'm stealing um, that. <laughs> So, if, like, if your fear is, or if, if your goal is offend no one, we'll just give up now. Like, there's always going to be yeah. someone who want, who's looking, who is actively looking to be annoyed by something. And, yeah. like, you stepped out of line a little bit by just being funny, and so you're going to be the target of their wrath. So, I think you'd, like, those people you didn't want as a customer anyway. Can you exactly. imagine, like, the complaints that you would get from someone like that who's offended by Heya? Yeah. I have to return this. 
Why? Because I ordered the wrong size. No, I don't want to pay for return shipping. Like that, that's that person. Yeah. That's yeah. You get that guy. Um, okay. You have a freebie for us, a kit, the VOC research kit. Tell me about that. I do. Yes. Okay. So, uh, in my other life, um, just kidding in this, in this life, I also co-run a copywriting agency that does like smaller on demand work. Uh, and we put together this voice of customer research kit to help people come to us with better qualitative data. Um, so basically it's a set of Google docs that you can copy and make your own. Uh, and we have recommended survey questions to help you get into the head of your customers. We have uh, an email template that you can use to send it out. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, how do I, how do I get people to click through to the survey? We wrote that. Um, we have scripts for doing interviews with customers. And then we finally, the, the piece de resistance is this giant um, guided template where you put in all of those nuggets that you've gotten through your research. And we teach you how to analyze and like what to look for. So each section is like, all right, put a quote here, put your, you know, giant quote in context. Don't try to pick out any important pieces now. Uh, put everything in that left-hand column, then go through all of these and see what messages start to get repeated over and over and distill those into the simplest iteration uh, that you can. So for like this mattress client, it was basically like neck and back pain over and over and over. Uh, and there were a couple other ones, but neck and back pain was, was a really big one. So we knew we had to address that like immediately on the page, on the product page. Um, we also do things like, Hey, what objections are people coming up with over and over? Uh, and then at the end of it, you have this, uh, this summary of what your actual customers are coming to you with and complaining about what they're looking for in their own words. And then you have those gems that we were talking about, uh, that you can swipe and put directly into your copy. So basically a start to finish kit to get more valuable qualitative research. And it's free. And it's free. That's my favorite price. And if you don't like it, you get a full refund, correct? Yes. Okay, good. Just don't email me about it. <laughs> yeah. No, they'll, they could process it on their own. Um, uh, I, I love it. I have done enough of these surveys with our own clients to know if you have not gone through an exercise like this yet, do it. It could potentially be one of the most valuable marketing exercises you do for the next three years. Just try it. Yes. Don't be afraid of it. I... Like you will, yeah, you'll get a few crank answers. They'll probably be funny. Um, and the rest will just be valuable insight. Until you have asked, everything you think you know about your customer is a best guess. Mm -hmm. So verify it. Do the survey and one of two things will happen. You'll either be, you could say, wow, I already knew all that. So uh, great, you've confirmed how smart you are. Or you will get valuable insight. So try it. Promise me you'll try it. Just try it. Uh, that's no really that's that's how much i believe in this because we have done dozens of these things now and yeah. no one has ever been like well that was worthless i mean the genuine um insight comes out of these even for yeah. years old brands with um thousands of customers so yeah okay o often with those i think you yes know, just like because you get so entrenched and, and people keep joining the marketing team and it's like, okay, well, this is who our customer is. And no one, especially any new person, raises their hand and says, well, when was the last time we actually checked? Right. It's very easy to unknowingly fall into it and then to engage in confirmation bias where you're just only yeah. looking for the data that agrees with how you think your customer is. Whereas when you see like all of this, you know, even if you get 50 responses, that's more than enough to start to put together a picture. Yep. Okay. I love it. Where can we go to learn more about you? 
you can go to punchlinecopy.com or snapcopy.co. And if you really want to learn very personal things about me, uh, mostly me complaining about bad copy that I find in the wild or talking about my cats, I am on Twitter at punchlinecopy. I will be following you immediately. <laughs> Yay! I already follow you, but like no big deal. You know, it's not, I'm not sad or offended that it's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I already followed you. That's what Awkward. I meant to say. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. a long time. I love Definitely it. Definitely not logging into Twitter to check on that now. Well, I'm also... Yeah, no, you can check on it now. It's good. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Please, uh, if you're on your phone, tap or swipe up on the show art. It will bring you to the show notes. And in there are four important links. Punchline copy, snap copy, uh, Liana on Twitter, and of course her free voice of customer research kit available from snapcopy.co. Liana? Thank you so thank you. much. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.